following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Church, for those visiting, those visiting online, Hill and Dash, hello. Um, I don't know what happened with that singer, but anyway, let's uh, let's worry about that later. Um, now, my name's Andrew. For those who are wondering, I've been here for a little while, a uh, number of years, and it's my joy to share the word. I wish it was in different circumstances. Wish Hill was here, but that's okay. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Unstoppable. We're going through the early chapters of Acts. We're just going to pause that today. Um, Hill will take that up next week when he's back. This morning, we're going to the prequel. So if Luke is the sequel, there we go, just (laughs) blew that out there. If Acts is the sequel, I guess Luke is the prequel. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. My message this morning is entitled, His Last Words. We're going to be looking at the last words of Jesus, not necessarily in dying, but in His resurrection. Last words. I don't know if you've ever studied last words. They are very interesting. Last words are often something we want to be memorable, something we hope is profound. I I heard a story of a guy who said, don't let it end like this. Tell them I said something. That was it. Um, You know, but when you think about it, when we are on our way out, we're shackled a bit less by the burdens of this life. We, we know our time is running out and we want to pass something on. We want to maybe leave a bit of a legacy as such. So some famous last words, I've just jotted them down here real quick. Alfred Hitchcock, the movie director, uh, he said, one never knows the ending. One happens to die, sorry, one has to die to know exactly what happens. And we would say, yeah, it's true. He actually goes on to say that those who follow God would have some more hope than he did. And we'd probably say, yeah, we we certainly do. John Sedwick was a general in the US Civil War and he said, stand up cowards, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And that was his last word. That isn't a joke. Elizabeth I, the queen in the 16th century, I think it was, she said, all my possessions but for a moment in time. The most powerful woman in the world at that time, and she sees the transient nature of this all. Last words, Jesus, wow, Jesus had some profound things to say to us. And so we're gonna delve into that this morning. So if you've opened to Luke 24, I'm gonna invite you to turn to verse 36, and we're gonna read through to verse 49. Father God, we just ask, as we gather around your word this morning, would you help me? Help me to communicate this to your people. Help us, Lord, to have open hearts to your gospel, Lord. Help us to have open hearts, open vision to what you want to teach to us this morning. Would you speak in this time as we glorify your son in this word? Amen. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, we'll go back and explain who they were in a moment. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. When they had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate in their presence. Verse 44, he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus' last words on this earth. Do you know, Luke 24, almost the whole chapter is one day just happens to be the greatest day in history. I don't know about you, but the, the, the day when someone has died like Jesus and has defeated the grave, there's no better day than that. His coming might rival that. His second coming might be in, in that neighborhood. But this is a wonderful, wonderful day. And we, the day starts with the women going to the tomb and then Peter follows on and they meet the angels and they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. The greatest words ever uttered by a created being, I'm sure. And then, of course, the scene changes still on that same day. And we are brought to a road between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And we have these two characters who we know very little about. They could have been part of the 72. They were probably in Jerusalem for Passover. Not exactly sure. We never hear from them again after this. But they're walking back to Emmaus, which is about a 12-kilometer journey. That's, that's, that's quite a walk. I'm not much into walking. That's, that's a huge walk. And Jesus shows up out of nowhere and they don't know who he is. And he explains the scriptures to them. And then suddenly, as they get to their place, Jesus breaks bread. I, I don't know, normally when you host, you're the one who does the serving, right? I can you imagine that? Jesus, the guest, he's breaking the bread. He's the one serving. And as that happens, something in the spirit happens. How that plays out, I have no idea. But they recognize Jesus and immediately he's gone. What do they do? They drop their dinner and off they run back to Jerusalem. Another 12 Ks going back the other way. It was probably nightfall by the time they got back. And this is where we pick up our scene. This is where Jesus shows up. And I, I love this. I love how in, in verse 41, they were so overjoyed, they couldn't quite believe. If Luke was writing that today, he might say it was too good to be true. That was the, the thought in their mind. You ever seen when... Um, maybe on TV or on the radio, someone's won a contest and they ring up from the station. Hey, this is Today FM or this is Channel 9 or whoever. You've just won 50 grand. And what's the reaction? It's like, no, you serious? What? You can, you, you, you're pulling my leg, right? This was like, they've just seen him die and now he's standing there bodily in front of them. The joy, the joy would have been amazing. And so it's in this scene into this place that Jesus speaks these last words. So without any further ado, let's dive in. We'll look from verse 44 where he's, uh, he speaks. So the first thing he says, the first thing he wants us to know is that Jesus was always the plan of salvation. Before anything, the first thing he says is, this was always the way it was gonna be. I know what you witnessed was horrible. I know what you saw me go through was dreadful, but there was no other way. 
and God was always gonna go this way. Because you see, first in verse 44, he reads, this is what I told you while I was still with you. That's a bit of a, I told you so, isn't it? I said so, didn't I? I called it. Jesus said, everything must be fulfilled that was written about me. And he says, in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, what he's basically saying, cut a long story short, every part of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was new at that point, everything they had, Jesus is in every spot. That's just a short list up there. In the Torah, he is the lamb, he is the pillar of fire. In the history, he is the captain of salvation. He is the prophet, he's the king, he's the temple. He's the rebuilder in Nehemiah. He is the day spring in Job. He's the suffering servant in Isaiah. He's the evangelist in, uh, in Habakkuk. He is the restorer, he's the fountain. He is the son of righteousness in Malachi. We're just scratching the surface. Jesus is in every book. Jesus is in every part. This is his story. And he's saying to his followers, guys, you may not have understood it. This came alive that night, I wanna tell you. This came alive to them because they read it like many of us probably do. Oh yeah, it's a story, interesting history. And he says, no, 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 this was me. This was me that this was all about. I was the one. I was the, the, the manna. I was the bread from heaven. I was the rock that was struck once to bring living water. I was the one lifted up like the snakes in the desert. I was the kinsman redeemer. This is Jesus. And so he goes on and he says in verse 46, not only that it's been written about me, well, what's been written about me? What is it you guys have missed? I'll tell you. He says, firstly, the Messiah must suffer. This plan of God was that Jesus had to die. There was never a plan B. One thing I've noticed as I get older, God doesn't do plan Bs. God is not caught by surprise one day by your sin or my sin and think, oh, I better sort something out. No, he knew. He knew. He had a plan. Jesus coming, Jesus dying, this didn't catch God by surprise. It's written about from the beginning, Genesis 3. He was the offspring that would destroy the serpent's head. He was the one that was be, would be forsaken in Psalm 22. He was the one that was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. It was written about from the get-go. The disciples missed it. We would have missed it. We still miss it. We have it with us and we still miss it. But Jesus was always the plan. Not only that he would suffer though, he continues that he would rise. Now you might say people have suffered. People have suffered for a cause or this or that. But here's one way you're gonna know it's me. Many will come in his name. He told us that. He said, many will come saying that they're a savior, they're a Messiah, they're this or they're that. But how many of them are gonna rise from the dead? How many of them are gonna come back from death and conquer? We sang it this morning. There is one hero of heaven who conquered the grave. There is one who defeated death. And again, that's foretold as well. Psalm 16, which we looked at the other week because Peter quotes it in Acts. He says that, your anointed one cannot see decay. Does David know that's Jesus? I don't know, but it's there. It's written and Peter picks up on that. Peter didn't miss the point. And then to close the book in Revelation, when Jesus is meeting John, what does he say to him? He says, I'm the one who was dead. 
that I'm alive forevermore now. And the keys of hell, the keys of Hades and death are in my hands. That's how you'll know it's the Messiah. That's how you'll know it's the one that God sent. Not only he'll suffer, not only he'll die, he'll defeat it all. He will come back. Now, I don't know about you, but church, that gives me hope this morning. That gives me encouragement. That gives me reason to believe that this word is true because everything has come true right to the letter when it came to Jesus. Not one detail. There are sermons in and amongst themselves with all of what I've just said. There is so much in the Bible we have, haven't even scratched the surface. Jesus was foretold. It was going to happen. It was God's plan. God had this set in stone from the beginning in his word. Jesus was always the plan. But you might sort of say, well, that's, some of you might be thinking, What's, that's cool, he died. Sure, he rose again, I can sort of take that, but how does that affect me? What does that mean for me now? It's 2022, Andrew, what's the big deal? That happened a long time ago. Well, may I say, not only Jesus was the plan, but Jesus is, was and is our hope. Our hope is not found in us trying to reach heaven because we can't do it. Our hope is because one came from heaven to earth. He goes on in verse 47. He says that repent, uh, he suffered, he will suffer and rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Church, the longer I live, the more I find out I fall way short of what God has wanted me to do. The longer I live, I realize Isaiah was spot on when he said our righteousness, the best we can offer God is filthy rags in the sight of God. Not that God doesn't want our goodness, not that God doesn't want our holiness. The issue is when we present that as a way to win something from God, to say, I've got it together, God, it doesn't get close to the standard God wants for us. We came in repentance when we met God. But how many of us know we still need to keep walking that way? You might be different from me, but I fail daily. I fail hourly sometimes. And when I fall down, when I, when I sin, it's, it's, not, it's not something that catches God off guard. He knows. That's why we need to come daily to Him. That's why we need to come to the throne of grace. Michelle mentioned it beautifully in the communion. There is a throne of grace we can approach any time we need his mercy. Church, this gospel, we need it as the saved, not just as the unsaved, because we battle the flesh on a daily basis. Yeah, see, we think the gospel is ABC to get to Jesus. We've heard this a number of times recently. It is the A to Z of the Christian life. It's the diamond that we need to keep coming back to and looking at. The gospel is the center. And church, you might be tempted, I might be tempted to say gospel, that's kindergarten stuff. Aren't we into other things now? No, we can't be. I'll tell you why. Because the second that you think, I don't need the gospel anymore. The second you think, I don't need God's grace anymore because I'm walking in holiness. And you may well be, but the minute you think you've got it together, you become the Pharisee saying, stone that woman. You become the elder brother saying, Father, look at me. I have been good all these years. You become the teacher who who says, ah, God, I'm not that tax collector. I'm not like him. 
The minute we walk away from the gospel, the minute we think we are above grace somehow, we've lost the plot. We've missed the mark. Because again, we can't attain it. What Jesus... Jesus is enough. Jesus alone is enough. Nothing else will be enough. It is his grace. And he invites us to come daily. Church, when you, I don't know about you, but when I, when I get things wrong, if I get things wrong at work, I tend to run away from my boss. If I get things wrong at home, I tend to sort of run and hide. Maybe some of you do as well. But when we get things wrong in God's sight, we tend to run away as well, don't we? We tend to think, I'm not good enough for church. I'm not good enough for connect group. I'm not good enough to pray or to worship. And you know what God's screaming at us with this? That's the time to come to me. That's the time to bring your sin forward. You couldn't attain it on your own, so stop trying. Come to the throne of grace. Come and receive forgiveness. I've said this before, but you know, when you see parents with kids trying to teach them to walk or something and you're never going to see, well, I hope you don't. You won't see a parent see a kid stumble and call them stupid or say whatever. You wouldn't do that, right? You'd say, you've done four steps. All right, come on, let's do six. Let's do six. You've fallen. All right, let's do eight. Let's keep going. Jesus is like that with us. He doesn't beat us over the head with our sin. Am I saying holiness doesn't matter? No, no, no. Don't get the wrong end of the stick. What I'm saying is Jesus loves you as you are. Jesus wants to bring you to a new plane. Jesus wants to take you to a new place. But we won't get there on our own steam. We will get there as we walk with Him. Because church, as we live this life of repentance and receiving His forgiveness and being enveloped in His grace, have you ever been with someone who's been smoking for a while and before too long you start to reek? Anyone been in that situation? Maybe just me. Um, that's what it's like with Jesus. The more we hang out with Him, the more we taste His grace, the more we become like Him, the more we have the aroma of heaven. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want His aroma in me. I want to smell like heaven. I want to be a channel of His grace. It's only possible through the gospel. I can't do it on my own. But there's one who has done it for me. And so this gospel then is our only hope. Jesus being our only hope. Where does it go from here? Well, somebody spoke to you, didn't they? Somebody shared Jesus with you. That's how you started on the journey. Jesus says that this will be preached in his name to all nations. Jesus will be proclaimed. Jesus will be proclaimed. That was a, I think it's a command and it's an observation because the word of God doesn't return void. So in some way, Jesus is going to get out there no matter what. No matter what, this story is going to get out there. It reached you. It reached me. Someone shared him with you. Someone shared him with me. And we weren't the same. Amen? Jesus started in Jerusalem and it has reached the uttermost parts of the earth. I guess Australia counts. I think, I think we're the uttermost. I don't think you get much further from that. And what we have received, I don't know about you, but just like the two on the Emmaus Road, I want to see that propagated. I want to see more people know Him. I want to see my loved ones know Him. Because someone dared to share it with me because they had that heart. They wanted me to know Him. 
And you might sort of say, well, what's, I, I, I want to share Jesus. I want to explain who he is, but I don't have the testimony. I don't have the great story. I wasn't the, 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 the five times murderer. I wasn't the drug dealer. Neither was I, neither were any of us. And I have those same fears, by the way. But listen, Peter says something really amazing. He says, we did, Jesus says it here, you are witnesses. You are witnesses of who I am. Because I don't know, when you see an accident happen, something like that, the most reliable person isn't the journalist writing the sensational story. The most reliable person isn't someone who got told by Mrs. McGillicuddy, this is what happened. The most reliable person is the eyewitness, the person who saw it. We have tasted Jesus. We might have seen him physically in the room the way they did, but we have tasted him through grace. We are his witnesses. See, Peter writes, he says, it's not eloquent words. It's not some fairy tale. It's not some story. It's being an eyewitness of his majesty. God doesn't want you. God's not worried whether you have the story or not. Because by the way, it takes God as much power to keep you as it does to deliver you from those situations. So if you've ever thought your testimony is not worth sharing, just I pray against that in Jesus' name. I pray you see that this is, this is powerful. What God has done in your life is no small thing, no matter where you've come from. You might've been in church all of your life. You might've come to church today for the first time. God is at work in every situation. And all he's calling us to be is an eyewitness to what we've seen and heard. And this was important enough that Matthew echoed it, Mark echoed it, Luke writes it again in Acts, which we read the other week, being his, his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Because God's heart, God's heart is for the nations. And if you're in this church a little while, you will have heard that. We have a heart for the nations as a church. God has, God had it first. We're just following him. God wants to see the nations worship him. It's all through the word, but in the end, in Revelation 7, 9, it's going to happen. Every tribe, every language will be there because of the gospel, because of this message being proclaimed. But it's not just worship. God wants to see healing to the nations. Almost the very last words of the book, that the fruit in the garden up there will be the fruit for the nation's healing. Now, thankfully, Jesus hasn't left us alone in this pursuit. There are two things we need to remember because this looks daunting. This looks daunting for us, but we do two things. Firstly, we go in his name and Anoch preached it the other week. His name carries authority. His name, it's, it's, it's no small thing. The name of Jesus is the name that demons bow to. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Because this is who we're going in the name of. But secondly, notice Jesus says in verse 49, I'm gonna send you what the Father promised. So stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus knows not only we can't save ourselves, but we can't save others either. In fact, we can't even do the mission of sharing who he is without the Spirit's power. So again, we go in the name of Jesus, but we also go with the Spirit within us. Because if Jesus thought we could do it on our own, he would have stopped there. I am going to send you, full stop. He knew we weren't capable of that. He sends us in the power of the Spirit. And you know, I've noticed that the Holy Spirit not only is empowering our words, the Holy Spirit is opening 
the ears, opening the hearts of the recipient. It's spirit, spirit, spirit all the way. This gospel has reached you because your heart got opened by God himself. And now we reach others because he is on the other end, not just speaking through us. We aren't alone on the battlefield. And so church, as we wind this up, I guess the question is this, how are we gonna respond? How are we gonna respond to these words of Jesus? You might, again, you might sort of say, this is kindergarten stuff. This is basic stuff. This is the beginning, right? Well, as I said, we have to keep coming back to the gospel. But honestly, for me, it comes down to two things. Firstly, joy in the gospel. Joy, just like the two on the Emmaus Road who left everything and ran back to tell the disciples, guys, he's alive, he's here. For me, I just, the resurrection changes everything. I, I am, I can't think about the cross much without getting emotional. But then when I get to the other side, when I get to the resurrection, it changes everything. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise again, we are most to be pitied. This is what sets our faith apart. This is what sets our message apart. We have one who conquered the grave. Ephesians 1, Paul has that massive hymn and he finishes the praise of his glorious grace. It, I don't know, it makes me wanna worship, makes me wanna give my life to him again. And even in the Old Testament, when Israel saw what God had done, they were filled with joy. It, it even says there was disbelief. It's like we were those who dreamed, can this be real? It's too good to be true. No, God has done it. That needs to be our heart, church. That needs to be our, our heart. Is your heart joyful this morning in the gospel? Is your heart joyful in your salvation? Just like the two on the Emmaus Road, is your heart burning this morning as we worship together? as Jesus is here in this place, is your heart burning for Him? So there's worship. The other side from there, I think, is gratitude. I am so grateful it wasn't me hanging on that cross. I am so grateful that I don't have to pay the penalty for my sin. And I hope you are too this morning, church. Gratefulness, gratitude is the motivation for any kind of work, to be honest. I do things when I'm grateful for my family. I do things when I'm grateful for my job. I, you, you go above and beyond. Why? Because someone's done that for you. Jesus went above and beyond more than we could ever ask or think. That to me is the greatest motivation to share Him. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, and if anyone has the new uh, version, this is the verse of the day, as it turns out. It's no longer I who lives. I am crucified with Christ. I live for him who loved me and gave himself for me. When we see the love of Christ, what can we do but serve him? What can we do but honor him? And then secondly, as we look, and we're gonna look at this next week, I think, Peter, before the, uh, Peter and John, they're standing there and they say, don't preach in his name. And what's, what do they say? Judge for yourselves. We can't help but speak about what we've seen and what we've heard. When we really know Jesus, when we see what He has done for us, when we come with gratitude, we can't help but talk about Him. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be just going off like a maniac and saying, you know, hey, Bob, how's your, how's your liver going? You know, you don't have to go down that track. There is a thing as earning the right to share Him. 
I'm not saying that you have to go out there straight away and do the four laws or whatever. You can if you want, go for it. But just in everyday life, just in knowing people, just in relationship with people, we have an opportunity to share what was shared with us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something that I want. I want his kingdom growing because I love him. I want to see his church growing because I love his church and I love what he has done for me and for you. Is that your heart this morning, church? As we bring this to a close, I um, just want to ask, where are we this morning? I think we could be at all different roads in this we could identify with all different characters in this message because some of us, we think that we don't need the gospel anymore. Some of us think we don't need the grace of God anymore. Some of us think we're past all that. Again, I encourage you just to rethink that because we never stop needing Him. We never stop needing the person of Jesus. We never stop needing the throne of grace. Others of us, we might find ourselves thinking, well, I, I'm, the, I'm the timid one. I'm, maybe I'm the guys on the Emmaus Road beforehand. There's the, the you know, I, I don't know, I've lost hope. I don't know what's going on. And maybe for other, others of us, we're the, we're the timid believers who have heard, but we don't wanna say. We don't wanna say. We don't wanna upset the apple cart or whatever. I know it's a, a challenge. I know it's a difficult thing to, step into a hostile society and share the love of Jesus. But again, someone did it for us. And isn't He worth it? Isn't He worth living for? Isn't He worth giving our all for? Church, I just wanna pray with us all and then we might sing a song in response. But wherever you are, I have good news this morning. And that is that God will meet you at your point of need today. If you're willing, if you have an open heart, He will meet you. If you need to see His gospel afresh, He'll do that if you seek Him. If you need to meet Him for the first time today, He will do that. He is willing. He is not willing that any should perish. And we know it backwards. He's so loved that He gave His Son so that you and I might know Him. But wherever you are, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's offer God a chance to minister to us. Father, this morning, we, we want to celebrate Your Gospel this morning. We thank You for giving Jesus the greatest gift we could have ever asked for. Lord, this morning we are here because someone shared Jesus with us. Your kingdom somehow reached down and touched our hearts, Lord. And this morning I ask, Lord, for a, just a, a, a fresh wonder of the gospel, a fresh wonder of your grace and your mercy, Lord. Because Lord, we never stop needing you. I'll never stop needing your grace. I'll never stop needing your mercy, Lord. I pray for revelation today. Lord, I don't know if I've done this word justice. All I know, Lord, is you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of the very lives we live. You're worthy, Lord, of our gratitude, our worship. You're worthy because 
of who you are and what you have done, Lord God. And so God, I pray this morning, you would meet us at our point of need today, Lord. Give us fresh vision. Give us a fresh understanding of all that you've done for us, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, for those who may not know you in this place today, Lord God. Lord, we invite your spirit to come and do a work. Lord, you are not willing that any should perish. And God, we ask this morning, we ask, Lord, if you are here to do business with any any of us, Lord, we are open. We wanna receive from heaven. We thank you for your word, Lord God. And I pray your blessing on your people in Jesus' name. for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.